So I was in conversation with a colleague trying to figure out what, how to enhance my voice. What, what did I have to say that was necessary and important and how to make that best expressive? And she offered me to have a combination of authority, humility, and courage, which are the themes I want to talk about today as we look back on last week's Torah reading, as last week's reading from Hebrew Bible. So in the gathering of items and construction of the Mishkan, the tabernacle that would later become the cornerstone of the temple in Jerusalem, those endowed with skill, and I quote, are asked to come forward and contribute to participate in the work, primarily among them Betzalel and Oholiav, but also other skilled artisans and craftsmen. We could be arrogant. We could be proud of the skill we have as artists, our capacity to play a guitar solo, our capacity to carefully mix paints and chiaroscuro. We could. It took a lot of work. We were blessed. You were blessed with a certain amount of talent and a lot of hard work and, God willing, a bit of luck. So we can revel in that in an appropriate way, not as authoritarian, not as arrogant, but understanding that we came with a certain amount of authority derived in skill, effort, and history. That We can take ownership of our artistic side, that we can identify ourselves as artists without screaming into a place of arrogance. That's, that's a challenge. That's the balance I want to begin describing today. We hear again and again of the garments of the priests, and that the high priest wore a garment, a diadem, a circlet, a tiara, somewhat of a tiara. He was, he was in a children's beauty contest. And the diadem had words on it that would say, holy to God. And I think you know by now that I think of art and artists as sacred. The quest they have to describe, to share, to enunciate and express is, is sacred to God. There's no accident. It is intended to be a part of their holy experience and the experience of the human experience. That is part of their authority. It is not divine right of kings as we understood in history, but imbued with them from something beyond. They are illuminated and illuminators of the divine. David Brooks, in his new books, talks about illuminators as those who connect and rejoice in human sharing. But artists are also illuminators of, as I've spoken before, the deeper reality. So Yadaya ben Abraham Bedersi, in describing this week's Torah reading, he's in France, about 13th century, offers something that is used elsewhere, that the Torah and man comprise the lamp of God on earth. You know, I've said this before, that art comes from the illumination of the divine. That our artwork is a connection, a place of thinning of the boundaries between what is divine and what is human. People say of the Quran that it is a place where infinity penetrated the skin of the finite experience. And I think some great artworks feel that way. That John Coltrane, the evening they made A Love Supreme, penetrated the finite experience to speak to something beyond something profound and sublime. 
And so it is fair and understandable to feel a connection with something deep and spiritual and extreme. And balancing that with the imposter syndrome that so many artists and many professionals, period, feel is one of the paradoxes that I'm describing with you today. The Khatam Sofer, who was Moses Schreiber of Pressburg, which was at times, I think, Germany and at times Ukraine, he wrote around the early part of the 19th century that for holy things, and he was talking about the, the sacred garments and the glory of tabernacle and priestly garments, things of communal and national importance and fate, the director, the wearer, the item speaks loudly with strength and courage. Humility is beautiful and all the more so with generational greats, but that's for day-to-day measures. It matters. We have to find the right time to speak boldly, and the right time to speak humbly, the right time to bring the kernel of an idea for a new song forward, and then the right time to be humble as it's dissected by bandmates or in the studio to find just the right tempo, just the right bridge. We balance that sense of authority that comes from art hard won and inspiration divine and strived for with humility to understand that the work at some point is no longer ours and we become a listener and a viewer just like any other, Rick Rubin points out. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's usually thinking of yourself less often. So this is one of the places, one of the Torah readings, it's the weekly Torah readings called Parashah in Hebrew, where Moses doesn't appear. Right? Since Moses' birth at the beginning of Exodus, there are very few times we don't speak of him in Torah. Genesis or Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He is he is throughout those pages, but this is one of those places where we don't hear much of him. His name is absent. There's a lot you could say there, right? That the Book of Ecclesiastes um, is successful because it's named after Solomon, right? not after probably the the author who penned it, but given name by someone greater. Taking your name off an artwork is an act of real charity and an act of boldness. Letting the artwork speak for itself without it being associated with you or your personality or what you were thinking at the time, that kind of handing off is, is a deep kind of humility. Once we, as, as Lizzo said, it's selfish when we make it and selfless when we give it away. And even God we're told even the artists of tabernacle and temple had that kind of humility. So there is a description of some of the lights in the temple that they were um, like arrow slits, narrow on the inside, wide on the outside, so that the light within the temple could spread. I guess that's a, actually a reversed arrow slit. And there's all kinds of candelabrum and incense and food offered to God. But of course, the spiritual question, and why would God possibly need light and food? Right? God, is, God is not a creature that feeds and has metabolism. So in the Talmud, Rabbi Samuel ben Nachmani says, these things are for you, not for me. I am not in need of light. Rabbi Zarika says, I am not in need of food, and I am not in need of light. So the house was windows broad and narrow, broad without and narrow within, so the light of temple and tabernacle could expand. That is a piece of the humility. God gives it to us. God doesn't need it. We are inspired. We are imbued with epiphany and the brightest of colors. 
the warmest of tones. They're not for our own amusement. They are to give away. God didn't need them and gave them to us to penetrate throughout the world. We can be humble, take our names off the things, because the light comes from that wick that joins heaven and earth from a place deep within. And at times it's important to be bold and forthright in our opinions and clear with our vision, and at times it's the right time and place to let it out. So the way to balance this tension, I think, between arrogance and humility, between authority, not authoritarianism, but the authority of understanding and knowing the work you're doing, to be truly a great record producer and to be able to hear the individual tracks as I was listening to a podcast, to be able to break up why you did what you did in that sculpture. That's authority, but then it's a humility of saying this, this wasn't all mine. This, this was something beyond me that I did not own. And the ways in which artists can metabolize struggle and the ways in which I think compassion and empathy can lead us to an understanding, a balance between arrogance and humility, a balance, balance between authority and self-effacement. So we talk about the oil lamps of the Talmud, the oil lamps of the temple. And in the Talmud, it reveals that oil yields light when it's pounded. I've, I have a distant memory of seeing how oil is extracted from olives, but it required a lot of crushing and a lot of drying and resaturating, if I recall. So the Talmud says, just like oil, <coughs> our greatest potentials are realized under adversity. said it enough that being an artist is not easy. It requires metabolizing a lot of challenge, experiencing a lot of setback. And that's how we become generous and compassionate. That's how we offer ourselves forward in a way that uses the authority of experience, but opens it up for others to share. Aaron, as high priest and later high priest, had a thing, the Urim and the Tumim, and a breastplate that had all 12 stones for each of the 12 tribes, and then a sort of a casting of bones to reveal messages through that system. But he would carry these stones over his heart, to carry the images of the 12 tribes. When you approach holiness, um, you have to wear the heaviness, carry the weight of all that's intended and all that can be gathered within, and the sense of doing it for all of us. Not, not in the way that I remember the book, The Fountainhead, the artist isn't responsible to the audience, and you aren't. But you're more than just yourself. This comes out of divinity, and it comes out of your own struggle. These are things that the world needs to hear. I think not just carrying that breastplate in to do sacrifice and to burn the incense and to do the risky things in temple and tabernacle, as the priests did, but also to understand that you can't keep it in either. The world needed this thing. The world requires this thing that you can make, and you have to engage with it tenderly and struggle. Great art doesn't come much from naivete. As Proust said, we suffer, therefore we think, and I noticed that. Probably one of the reasons that great novels and great paintings don't come from 19-year-olds is it's rare that they've lived enough. I don't know how Jonathan Safran forwarded so much writing at a young age. 
But the Dubna Magid, who is Jacob ben Wolfkrantz of Belarus, writing mostly in the 18th century, said that one who atones for Israel's transgression has to be near the transgressors and the sinners. The best sponsor in a 12-step program is one who's been through it before. The rabbi or pastor that you trust is the one who's lived a life and won't be ashamed of things you or shocked by what you might bring. The artist who inspires us is the one who's been through and processed and digested and struggled with the things we are in the middle of. He's a little ahead of us, preaching from scars, not from wounds, and brings us all together. Invites us in with authority and humility and courage. The week's parashah, the week's Torah reading last week, is called Tetzaveh, to command, but it also can mean to bond or to connect. That's the balance, right? To, to be letzavot, to, to command, but also to connect. Be humble, but also have authority. To have courage, but also a sense of the struggle of others, not just your own. Can you put that into your work? Not always, but at your best. Make great work this week.